the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redland Sea Party Patriots, and my usual co-host, Don Dix, is again away. I think he's checking out beachfront property in Belize. We shall see if he's back back, back next week. Uh, filling in as co-host is uh, my fellow uh, cabinet member with the Redland Sea Party Patriots, John Barry. And wow. uh, we're going to d- d- immediately go to our guest because... His time is limited. He has a court hearing coming up, a very important hearing in San Jose, which is why he's all dressed up. He got a suit coat on, a tie. Well, I haven't worn a tie, and I don't even know how long since I've worn a tie, since most of my appearances in court have been um, by telephone. So our guest here is Robert Tyler. With a, By day, he's with a business uh, law firm called Tyler & Bursch. He's also with the Advocates for Faith and Freedom, which defends our First Amendment rights, and that's the context that he's with us today, has a really big case pending in San Jose on religious freedom. So I know his time is limited. So, Robert, what is going on with your case in San Jose? Hey, good to be with you again, Greg. Uh, John, good to meet you. Uh, I um, am uh, here in San Jose because uh, the church that uh, we represent, Calvary Chapel San Jose, has been fined. Um, over $1.6 million or so. I can't even, not even sure what the number is at this point in time uh, because they're doing church indoors and the county comes uh, every day of the week. They find them $5,000 whether they are uh, meeting or not, whether there's anything going on at the church or not because the county wants them to submit a, a document called a social distancing protocol They don't want them to meet indoors. The document requires that they uh, comply with all the regulations. And, you know, up here up north, uh, things are even more dramatic uh, than you might find elsewhere in the country. You know, uh, there's not another state in the country that bans uh, indoor worship today. California is the only one. And uh, and so here we are battling uh, in, in state court, uh, unfortunately, what we have is we have a circumstance where the court is trying to uh, hold our client, Calvary Chapel San Jose, in contempt. But not only my client, uh, the church entity, the pastor and the youth pastor. And, and, and guess what? They're asking for over $25,000 in fines against the youth pastor. They're asking I think somewhere in the neighborhood of $50,000 in fines against the pastor. This is the second hearing on contempt. This is on top of the $1.6 plus million that the county has already fined the church for meeting indoors. It's obnoxious. It's unconstitutional. And, uh, you know, we have to stand up for liberties. And I tell you, I've got a real courageous client uh, uh, in this church and the pastor's. Didn't the U.S. Supreme Court rule in the New York case that the orders to do not even just close, but to very strictly limit like 10 people, uh, religious services in New York were unconstitutional? So how is a How is a total closure square with that ruling? Yeah, you know, um, it, it doesn't. It just simply does not. Um, unfortunately, the Ninth Circuit issued a ruling on Saturday, last Saturday. That goes against what the U.S. Supreme Court said. Now, they, you know, twisted it and turned and and were able to come up with some basis for being able to argue that California's um, uh, analysis or or their restrictions are somehow uh, constitutional, while New York's wasn't. Although California and New York's health orders are virtually the same, virtually identical, the same the same types of businesses that 
were allowed to operate in New York, the same types of businesses that were closed in New York, the churches closed, same thing here in California, same types of businesses. And the analysis, I mean, it's a parallel fact pattern. But unfortunately, the Ninth Circuit came around and said, oh, we came up with, come up with a little different analysis. And as long as we're in tier one, uh, or when we were under the regional uh, order, under those two circumstances, it's constitutional for California's laws to uh, discriminate against churches and to tell them that they're not allowed to meet indoors because it's theoretically based upon the science. But guess what? Governor Newsom doesn't want to release the science. Mm-hmm. It's based on the political science. Uh, John wants to jump in here. Yeah, uh, Robert, yeah, as a Christian and a former newspaper reporter, thanks for doing you know, the grunt work needed to protect our treasured First Amendment. So my question is, do you feel kind of alone in this battle? Where are all the other churches? Where is the media? I mean, what is it that separates your courageous client and all the the churches we're not hearing from? Well, uh, one of the things that uh, there are a lot of churches who are meeting. There's a lot of churches that are meeting indoors. Now, I can tell you that if you're in Los, if you have a church in Los Angeles County, Orange County, San Bernardino County, or Riverside County, and the church is not meeting indoors, the church is missing a big opportunity because none of those counties are enforcing the state ban on indoor worship. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, now, some might have, a, you know, primarily elderly congregation, so they might have a reason to say, okay, well, we're not going to meet. But that's a different story. Leave that up to the pastor. But for the pastors who are not that way, it should be open. But I'll tell you, there are hundreds and hundreds of, of churches that are meeting indoors across the state of California that are uh, either doing so under the radar or they're not, or they're, the, the county's just not coming in to bug them or the state's not bugging them. The difference here is our client is in San Jose, California. I mean, we are in the epicenter of uh, uh, of the socialist effort uh, being propagated on our country today. So, you know, the Bay Area. This this is ground zero, and, and, and so because we're in ground zero, and, and we have a pastor who's courageous, he's he's being targeted, and, and they're coming after him with all these fines. That's a big. That's a good point. Is our church, the our church of the Nazarene in, in Redlands, has been open. It's been open for all, unofficially the entire time of this pandemic, and the government's left him alone. And I, I think our pastor, Pastor Kevin, would if they came to arrest him, would say, oh, "Fine, cuff me and take me away." But I'm I am obeying a higher authority than the state. When you have somebody like the pastors in San Jose, when they're really coming after you, you know, then, as they say, the, uh, the, the rubber meets the road. It does. It does. You know, I mean, it's one thing to be able to be in a county where they're not enforcing the rules and say, we're open, you know, and, and. But it's a whole different thing for a pastor who's in a county that is trying to that that is enforcing these draconian health orders who's taking a stand and says, I'll lose everything. I'll give everything up, whatever it takes. But let's talk about what the reason is. I think it's also important for those of us, God fearing people. Why are the, why is it so important to the church to be open? It's because they're seeing people come that would have otherwise committed suicide. People whose, whose souls were being drowned in drugs and alcohol. Uh, people whose whose families are being torn apart through divorce, abuse, and, and, and the church is that safety net. And the church is a safety net because it's open. And, and that's what the church has been for years. And unfortunately, at this point in time, the church has been told you have to shut down. And you can meet people, but you have to do so via Zoom. You have to do so through the computer. It's ridiculous. A, 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 a church service online is like watching a campfire on TV. You don't feel the warmth. You don't feel, you don't feel the heat. You don't, you don't smell the, the smoke. You don't feel the warmth of other people around you. The, the touch. That's what this case is all about. It's about the fact that people are in need. 
And these pastors that are that are opening are saying, we see that need and we're going to meet that need and we're going to do so uh, because God's calling us to do so first. Second, we believe the Constitution gives us that right. But primarily it's because what God, God has called them to do. And that's and that leads to maybe a little larger question is if a self-described by the governor or the president or whoever says we have an emergency and we can now suspend your constitutional rights indefinitely as long as I choose to have this emergency in place. There's a, there's a there's a bill pending in Oregon that if the governor declares an emergency, the governor is free to seize property whenever she, she or he wants to. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're we are in such a dangerous state of affairs today um, in in our country, and um, you know what? It, it, it's going to take uh, people who are going to stand up. Uh, it's going to take pastors, lawyers, uh, uh, just patriots to stand. So, is this? Um... First of all, salute to your courage. You know, as Winston Churchill said, courage is the first among the virtues because all the other virtues depend on it. So I absolutely admire the courage of you and your church. Could you become a Supreme Court precedent in defending these? I mean, because you've got a, the, the Ninth Circus, the Supreme Court loves taking our case up. Could we be hearing about Robert Tyler at the Supreme Court one day on this issue? Um, I hope not. We could be. But I hope not. <laughs> it's a long ways away and it's a lot of work. I'd love to win uh, without ever having to get to the Supreme Court, to be honest. Uh, but we may. It may but be it's hard to fathom that in the United States that we've been around for almost 250 plus years where that shining city on the hill that Ronald Reagan talked about. And yet we have to defend basic religious liberty. I mean, this is George Orwell coming to life. Hey, let me tell you one. Let me let me let me read something to you real quick in, in, in my conclusion here, and I'll have to get running. Um, just outside the courthouse in San Jose stands a a a monument to uh, President McKinley. And on the front of that monument, uh, below his statue, there's a cross, a the Ten Commandments. Um, a sword. Here's what it says on the side of the monument. It says, spoken on this spot in May 1901 by President McKinley. Right outside the courthouse, I'm arguing, it says, the Constitution is a sacred instrument, and a sacred trust is given to us to see to it that its preservation in all its virtue and its vigor is passed on to the generations yet to come. It's time to stand. We have to, we have to take a stand because I want my kids living in the, you know, Soviet States of America. I don't. Guys, I appreciate you letting me be on your show. um, And I'm sorry that I have to, uh, I have to cut and run. Understandable. We thank you for your efforts and uh, good luck. To, good luck this uh, this afternoon on that very important argument. And we will let you go with that. And we will hear from our sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio, Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. 
Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the domestic terrorist. And I don't know about you, John. John Barry is my guest host this week. But, you know, having from gone from a racist, homophobic, Islamophobic Nazi to um, domestic terrorist, I don't know. I think that's kind of a promotion. How about you, John? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm thinking about putting those titles on my business card. You know, I mean, <laughs> because they have just thrown these isms and is at everybody to the point where they're just absolutely meaningless. You know, they're uh, trying actually very Orwellian tactics of trying to, I should say, Sololensky tactics of trying to personalize your opponent so you can vilify him. I mean, that's exactly, it's so laughable on its face that it, it, it's anybody within reason, you've got to pretty much be a hardcore Marxist to actually buy all this stuff. And I'm looping in the media on that because as a former newspaper reporter, I am absolutely ashamed of my brethren and sister of them in my profession, which is just knuckled under to this tyranny that we're experiencing. The, the media should be leading the charge against all this re- religious repression and First Amendment suppression we're experiencing right now, but they're not. They are failing in their basic mission to stand up for our treasured First Amendment. And I know they are. You know what? If I looked at reporters, they wouldn't have the courage to look me eye because I'm schooled in this stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's not just the hardcore Marxists that, that believe this. Is they live in their bubble, and I've so I've seen this in discussion online. People that I would that not, would not necessarily be hardcore Marxists, but th- this is. I, you know, their, their head is in the punch bowl. They're in this bubble of all they get is what the MSMs are, 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 are feeding them. And they, a lot of them, a lot of them believe this stuff. And there are, I've always analogized the rank and file Democrats. They're like a school of fish. And if, if you've seen the pictures, I'm sure you've seen video of a school of fish. They will just instantaneously turn one way, turn the next way, turn the next way. And I, I've, I watched the behavior of these people and it's, it's the same kind of way. Oh, Oh, 72 genders. Yes, we're going that way. Oh, the, our Republicans are terrorists. Oh, we're going this way. Uh, Trump was collusion. We're going this way. The sheeple. And- I, I like the term the sheeple to kind of describe. Now, as there is a little bit of hope, what George Orwell referred to as the proles, there was hope in the proles, which would be our deplorables. Um, there's actually hope because, remember, Trump won in 2016 because he increased the size of the voting pie by over 6 million people. And he was up to 75 million. And I don't even think that's a correct number. I'm sure it's well over 75 million and Biden got significantly less than that. If we could have truth, I bet Trump won by a huge landslide. My point of bringing that up is I think some of those sheeple are waking up. Not maybe enough, not as fast, not as courageous, but I've noticed both in 2016, especially now, people who have not paid attention are paying attention. Like your your co-host Don Dix says, if you don't take an interest in politics, politics will take an interest in you, right? So I'm seeing this, maybe great awakening is too strong of a term, but people are really waking up. And locally, it's playing out in the recall petition. I've collected about 425 signatures so far for recalling Newsom. People who have never done anything politically are coming up to sign. You know, so will that play out? I don't know. But believe me, I absolutely share your frustrations. Now, let's cycle back to our discussion of religious freedom and uh, the use of uh, the coronavirus uh, mm-hmm. to restrict religious freedom. Um, my church, the Ark Church of the Nazarene, is open. It's been open, at least unofficially, the entire time of the, uh, of the, of the pandemic and closures. And they broadcast online for people that don't feel they want to come in to, to church for whatever reason, but they're in person. But your church isn't. No, I, I totally admire the Ark Church in Redlands. Um, we have not been open since the pandemic. We have a, I'm a deacon there. Um, I'm an usher there. The, and unfortunately, we have not even shown the character nor the courage to even want to come to church, right? I mean, we have the, um, we have a wide open courtyard. We have a wide open church and we never even as much as made that offer. 
so what Robert Tyler was referencing is how people need that safety net. And I have run into members of our church in our community who are expressing the same anxiety that Robert mentioned. This is a failure of leadership. This is a failure of courage. And it is not what a church is about because you think of all the great Christian martyrs who got burned at the stake for bringing a Bible into Catholic Britain, and yet were unwilling to go meet inside a church. I mean, I mean that contrast could not be any more glaring. Why do we study these martyrs if we're unwilling to emulate their courage? I mean, it is. I've heard from members of our church. They are. We, the thing is, we may never get them back because they're so disgusted, they're so frustrated, they're leaving. And it, it church does not work online. It is ersatz church at best. People are really frustrated. They're leaving. There's no sense of community you have. It just doesn't work. And you think of Redlands in particular is the town that whose city council courageously knuckled under to the ACLU because we had a cross on our patch about 12 years ago. And we were known as a city of churches. We had roughly one church per 1,000 people. And yet we just knuckled under to the ACLU. I mean, there is just it, the failure of our leadership of the city and our religious community in Redlands does not reflect the people within it. And this should be seen in the larger context of a 50-year campaign to undermine religion in America to achieve their, uh, a fundamental transformation of, of, of the country. And it's been undermined of uh, the taking prayer out of the public schools, trying to drive it out of the public square, that it's demeaned in the universities and in the government-run schools. You know, only fools you know, believe those fairy tales of, of, of Christianity. Of course, there's never a speck of criticism of Islam in, 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 in any of those institutions. But uh, in Christianity, there, there, there absolutely is. And I think it, the underlying, problem, underlying part of it is what, uh, what Karl Marx said, that religion is the opium of the people. And there's always been the hostility on the left to religion unless the religion serves leftist political causes. So then you also there's a, there's a parallel track now, which you don't have time to get into, that Trevor Loudon has talked about is the enemies within the church. Is this is it's a kind of it's a leftist socialist infiltration of the of the church and Christianity to make it the uh, the gospel of Karl Karl Marx that is, and yeah, we got there, a little bit of time left. Um, how much? Yeah, there's a, a, absolutely. I mean, it, there are so many non biblical influences even within church. I'm wondering, are these people even Christian, or it's like, why do you even attend church? Because the Bible is the target of of Karl Marx. It really was. So by going after the Bible, you're going to deconstruct. So what we're living through here is the, what they call the march through the institutions. And now we're feeling it on our end. And so now it's real. And I go to a Bible study that has met online and sometimes in person, and people are feeling it. And people are thinking, what is happening? This is actually happening to us. So I think I have a hunch we're just at the beginning of the storm. But, I mean, the Marxists have been, this is what they've been pushing for for 100 years. They're not going to give it up now. Oh, no. And I, I think the, the church is going to come under repression um, as it never has in the history of the, um, of, of the country. And, it's not, and it won't be just the government. Because well, what we see now in so many ways is the merging of the government power and private institutions and companies that work in the same track and towards the same goals. So so maybe the government can't close down your church, but, you know, if the uh, SPLC says you're a hate church, then you don't get a bank account. You don't get a lease. You don't get a loan. You don't get other, other services. And they try to drive you out of business just as the big damn tech companies, you know, will try to suppress speech that the left and the Democrat Party does not like. We are out of time for this half hour. Stay tuned for our second half hour, and we're going to be talking to Mark Morano of Climate Depot. And climate change is again much in the news this week, as that's before coronavirus was the leading avenue for globalism and socialism. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. 
For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that is accumulated in your bank account from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available. So if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free. So call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. My usual co-host, Don Dix, is away again. And again, I I suspect he's checking out beachfront property in Belize, but I don't know. We'll see if he's back uh, back next week. Filling in his co-host is John Barry, also with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. Had a great interview with uh, attorney Robert Tyler, who's defending religious liberty in a case this afternoon, Thursday, when we're recording in San Jose. And we wish him well. And you can learn more about what he does at faith-freedom.com. This half hour, we are again pleased and honored to have one of my political heroes, Mark Morano, who is the founder and editor and organizer of ClimateDepot.com, which is the, I think, the best source of information on global warming, climate change, aka climate emergency, climate crisis, climate do what we tell you to do or you're going to die, whatever name they're going to have for us. And we asked him on because the uh, Biden administration, President Vote Fraud, has been signing more executive orders on uh, climate change to, of course, raise our energy prices, restrict our freedom, and restrict our prosperity. So welcome to the show, Mark. And what is President Vote Fraud up to? <laughs> well, he's just beginning. Now, here's what's funny is everyone seems to be up in arms, meaning, meaning on, you know, talking conservatives, libertarians on the radio. They're all like, oh, my gosh, can you believe what Biden's doing? It's the most intensely. This is nothing. Biden is just getting started. We haven't even heard the phrase Green New Deal yet. That's coming in the next month or two with legislation and the whole sweeping aspects of every aspect of our lives that that's going to encompass. But right now, what Biden has done is take away jobs. He's harmed the economy. He's harmed our energy security. And he's harmed uh, you know, whole swaths of his constituency, including labor unions. Uh, and it's just, it's an amazing thing to watch because no one will criticize him from his own party. A few of the labor unions are like, oh, we feel betrayed, which made no sense. Uh, they were they were hoping for the Keystone Pipeline, but how would they feel betrayed? Because Biden was very clear about where he stood on these issues. But he's come in, taken away tens of thousands of jobs. One estimate is when this green energy agenda is done, it could be up to a million American jobs. But as John Kerry says, no problem for all these unemployed workers. Let them not eat cake, bang, but let them make solar panels. You know, th- that's, that's the kind of concern for your fellow man that I would expect from the Democrat Party. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, And what's interesting is the solar panels, in order to make solar, wind and electric cars from the batteries, you need rare earth minerals. So the United States, and this is the shocking aspect of this. The first time since Harry S. Truman was president in 1952, the United States had more energy exports than imports. 
We had uh, energy dominance across the board. We no longer had to rely on foreign sources of oil from the Middle East, from Venezuela, from Russia, from anywhere. We were not only energy independent, but energy dominant. We were exporting it. It was the most incredible, amazing thing that President Trump accomplished. And so what are they doing now? Now, not only are we giving up energy dominance for energy dependence, which means more foreign intervention, more wars, more, uh, you know, more John Kerry's key diplomacy to, to so we can secure, you know, more energy or you know, have more conflicts. But it's now going to make us more dependent on rare earth metals that are key to, to solar, wind and electric cars. And guess who owns the world's sol- uh, rare earth minerals? But in the mining, it's Russia and China. China operates mines in Africa with gross human rights violations. So we're now going to be more de- dependent on China than ever as they try to subsidize and mandate, which is only 4% of our energy. Solar and wind combined in the United States as of 2019, 4% of our energy. And there, and 100 years ago, uh, and fossil fuels are over 80%. And 100 years ago, 80% of global energy was fossil fuels as well. Nothing has changed in 100 years. But somehow, President Biden's administration is going to break the law of physics in the next couple of years. And we're going to have the 4% explosion. The 4% solution of solar and wind are going to expand. And we're going to have a, uh, a uh, zero emission world uh, or, or America. That's, you know, that's a good point. You, you, you just touched on the conditions in which the people that mine these minerals live and work. And it is, for all intents and purposes, slavery. And the environmental damage that's done in these mines and these mining operations is horrendous. So these people that think they're claimed to be protecting the environment and claim to think that black lives matter, well, they sure don't when it comes to uh, promoting this, the uh, alternative energy boondoggles. Yes. In fact, Amnesty International has said there's child labor going on in the Congo mining cobalt for America. Keep in mind, even things that free market people support, like carbon taxes, a carbon dioxide tax, it's the efficient market at play, and we're going to reduce our emissions. Every study on that nonsense has shown, and this is the same thing with the Green New Deal and the same thing with the energy mandates, solar and wind and cutting back other energy They've shown that all you're doing is outsourcing your emissions. And where are you outsourcing it to? Africa, China, Russia, India, South America. And guess what? None of those places have the same environmental standards. So if you actually cared about the earth, you would actually want the United States to have as much domestic energy as possible and not have to rely. Not only do you have to rely on lax environmental standards around the world and all the mining and but you have to rely on massive transportation of this. We're back to the you know, increase in oil tankers. So it's just nuts. And then when you look at the fact that they're proud, you, know, like you have Pete Buttigieg and John Kerry coming out and they're saying, well, what do you tell these workers, a Keystone Pipeline? You know, these were just temporary jobs. Well, first of all, any labor union worker that's involved in infrastructure work, highways, bridges, pipelines, et cetera, that's every job you do is a temporary job and you move on. So the Keystone Pipeline was, first of all, not technically temporary because it would go on years upon years upon years. But what's interesting is John Kerry said they can not only learn to uh, you know, make solar panels, but Pete Buttigieg said, oh, we'll get them green energy jobs. Well, where are these jobs? These people are losing their jobs now. Layoffs begin now. And these aren't, these aren't you know, $15 an hour. These are six-figure salaries. These are engineers and these are all sorts of jobs. And when do the solar and wind jobs come? And I'm sure they'll, some form of that will come because if you subsidize something, they're modeling this after the New Deal era Roosevelt programs like the Civilian Conservation Corps. You can pay a lot of people a lot of money to make it look like they're working, but is it producing anything? Solar and wind, oh, they're going to produce so many green jobs. If you look at the stats, solar and wind produce almost no energy for how many jobs they do. They can have all these impressive people they employ, all based on government subsidies and mandates, but it's coal, it's natural gas, it's oil that actually employs people with the fewest number of workers, which is called market efficiency, because each worker is responsible for huge amounts of energy. It's only in solar and wind in the make-believe world of government green job energy that people can actually 
have lots of good paying jobs, but produce no usable energy for America. Gee, isn't that a weird thing? This is the greatest Soviet experiment. Not even, Again, I keep using the word experiment, but the greatest Soviet imposition, Soviet-style regulatory state on America. It begins now, but I just want to say you ain't seen nothing yet. This is just measly executive orders. Wait until the bite of the legislation of the Green New Deal comes along. Don wants to jump in here. So we, I think we got a minute left in this segment. So, Mark, how do you get people to make that connection that all this environmental stuff is really about control, right? I think the, the miners were actually historically pro-Democrat, and now they're the ones getting bitten by this Green New Deal stuff. How do you make that connection to say this is not really about the environment, this is really about control? Well, good question. I mean, here's the thing. Donald Trump had a lot of personality flaws, shall we say, but he was perhaps the greatest messenger of making that exact connection. Donald Trump was the first Republican president, and you could argue Rick Santorum did a version of this in 2012. In fact, Rick Santorum says he inspired Donald Trump, who went to Rust Belt, Blue Collar America Labor Union, and he used... America's energy independence and dominance as his campaign. And he he courted those voters and he told them this is what we need to do. And it was made it an economic sell. Now, in terms of how we explain this is about restrictions and nothing to do with energy. I don't know. I mean, the, the lockdowns should open people's eyes when they realize and they look at states that lock down like, uh, you know, you know, you can compare states near each other out in the Midwest and the West, but states that didn't lock down versus states that did. And the virus literally had the exact same path. A virus is going to virus just like the climate is going to, to, to fluctuate naturally. So the idea that we can somehow control the climate and through these kind of restrictions was disproved during COVID. But there were, there were mask mandates or lockdowns. So maybe that's one thing. The American people have had enough of government telling them, and they never had this before last year. You can't go to weddings, funerals. You can't, uh, you know, you can't leave your house at this time. You have to have an essential service. And I'm hoping there's an eye-opening thing that people reject it. Although I don't expect that because people seem very – they like to be afraid and they like uh, to accept the lockdowns and the mandates and they actually want more. We're seeing this in Europe. I mean there's been a lot of protests but not enough to overturn this yet, although maybe in California they're recalling Governor Newsom. So maybe there's a silent majority out there. And if we can connect that – I have a whole chapter in my upcoming book, The COVID Climate Connection, that is going to actually – that explains how they want to go from COVID lockdowns to climate lockdowns so much so that they actually came out now in England. You can't fly unless you have a, you justify a need to fly to the government because they're trying to do COVID regulations. Well, the climate activists want to declare a climate emergency. Chuck Schumer is urging Biden to do this. And one of their key climate activists is saying, you'll only be able to fly under a climate emergency when it's quote, morally justifiable, not because of a virus, because your emissions are creating a climate catastrophe, climate emergency. The two are so close. So my hope is Americans' eyes open to the COVID lockdowns, and then they apply that to the climate emergency. But I'm not too optimistic at the moment. Well, there was a great cartoon. I think it came from from your website, climatedepot.com. And it's the, it's a meme picture that's been used repeatedly for different things over the years of the, the of the boyfriend and girlfriend are together and yes. the, 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 the more attractive woman walks by and, and he doesn't just glance at her, but just turns around and ogles her uh, to, and his girlfriend, of course, notices it. And uh, in, in this one, the, the boyfriend is, is, is socialism. The existing girlfriend is climate change and the uh, more attractive woman walking by is virus pandemics. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly right. In other words, that socialism uh, is is using the COVID, vac- COVID virus and also now in climate to get the same result. It's a great meme. I have, we actually had that out in March when we were warning that the COVID lockdowns were going to morph. And the reason we knew this immediately is everyone from John Kerry to Greta Thunberg to the UN climate chief to the UN chief in general, all of them were praising the lockdowns and they were jealous. They were Climate activists in, in, in academia, the United Nations, they were openly jealous that, that the world was doing this for a virus, but they had never done it for climate. Everything the climate activists wanted have happened under these lockdowns. Planned recessions to fight global warming, the growth movements, 
ban on travel. Uh, you know, schools closed. That's what Greta Thunberg's greatest thing was skipping school. Well, guess what? She got her wish. They closed. So this is what they wanted. And John Kerry will openly say the parallels are screaming at us. COVID and climate, the same solutions. My favorite was actress Jane Fonda, who actually said COVID is God's gift to the left. Why? Because you need According to the left, Marxism is the only solution. We have to embrace Soviet-style, East German-style regulatory state. That's the only way we can deal with COVID, and it's the only way we can deal with climate. What is God? This is God's gift. This is what we're facing. And again, I'm pretty much disgusted with the entire Republican leadership. Even people, I mean, I wish you know, there's just there's just almost no one left on Capitol Hill to even speak out on this. You know, Senator Inhofe uh, is no longer chair of the Environment and Public Works Committee or ranking member. So we have a new weak Senator Barrasso from Wyoming who's done you know nothing on challenging the narrative. You have uh, Senator Murkowski, have been chairman of the the Energy Committee. You have House committees who are afraid to challenge this, even conservative Republicans. So. I, you know, it's Washington is dead to me. How does that sound? <laughs> okay, we, we need to take a break here, but uh, I think sure. Jane Fonda made that statement about uh, about uh, coronavirus from her seven thousand square foot mansion in Beverly Hills. Yes. Uh, but let's hear from our sponsor, All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are visiting with uh, Mark Morano, the founder and editor of ClimateDepot.com, probably the best source for information on global warming. And he's also the author of The Politically Correct Guide to Global Warming and the producer of two movies and star and director of Climate Hustle and Climate Hustle 2. You were talking about the uh, lack of, of any pushback, and I've pu- I've talked about this and written about it f- frequently over the years. Is the enemy operates on Lenin's principle that a lie repeated often enough becomes the truth, and that's especially so when no one's pushing back. And it's great to talk about job losses and the cost because the, the polls show that. People are very sensitive. A large majority would not be willing to even pay 10 cents more a gallon to fight climate change. But ultimately, if you don't push back on the underlying premise, then inevitably freedom and prosperity lose. But I said, no, you hit that on the head. It's to me, it's all about the narrative and the framing and how you allow the regulatory state to own America because of that. You know, we don't push back. President Trump had an opportunity to appoint a presidential commission on climate led by Will Happer, 200 peer reviewed studies, a Princeton professor, foremost world's expert uh, on uh, the greenhouse effect. It was a skeptical committee. It would have been about 15 to 20 scientists. It would have been the official seal of the United States government would have reported, but he, he okayed it. But then his staff delayed, delayed, hell, we'll do it second term. And of course, there was no second term. That was the greatest opportunity we had to have an official report pushing back on the United Nations and academia and the, you know, the national climate assessment that these garbage reports they put forward with, you know, former Obama holdovers and people who um, uh, have a financial stake in it, union of concerned scientists, you know, the left wing environmental groups are lead authors of federal climate reports. They read like press releases. They're just nonsense. But we, we've never challenged the premise. Even every Trump cabinet member, aside from the EPA Pruitt, who was run out of town after one year, but every Trump cabinet official never challenged the premise, just didn't want to deal with it. The Republicans on Capitol Hill are left arguing over the cost of the Green New Deal instead of challenging the premise. And the premise is on multiple. And not only is it on the science that we're not in a climate catastrophe, but it's also on the fact that treaty UN climate pact after UN climate pact has been declared saving of the planet and emissions have never gone down. They've continued to go up. They're all 
nonsense from beginning to end. There is no upside to a UN climate. They can't affect emissions, let alone the climate. But we're told we need it because the weather is so bad. Chuck, Chuck Schumer actually says if we had done more on climate in the past, we wouldn't have these hurricanes. They actually believe you can legislate the weather. Republicans are generally silent when that kind of stuff happens. And you know, why? You know, why is why does no one other than maybe yourself have the courage to be the boy who says that the global warming emperor is standing there stark naked? Well, there's a lot of people on the outside to say it. We need people in power to say it. Donald Trump was the only one in his administration who would say it, other than his first EPA chief, Scott Pruitt. We also have a few good senators. Uh, 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 Rand Paul, Ted Cruz will talk about it. Senator Inhofe will talk about it. A few House members, but they're few and far between these days. They just no one wants to deal with this. Well, we'll see what happens. Again, this is the calm before the storm on climate and energy. These were just executive orders that Joe Biden sat down and uh, and did a bunch of uh, pen strokes. Uh, so we'll see what happens. They're going to be introducing the $2 trillion Green New Deal. And it doesn't have to be the most ambitious version of the Green New Deal. All they have to do is get the Green New Deal in some form passed. And guess what's like Nancy Pelosi said of Obamacare? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll pass it. We won't know what's in it until after we pass it. Once they get the framework in, they're going to go bonkers and start regulating our diets, our appliances, our, our uh, thermostats, our transportation, you name it. The American SUV is going to be under direct assault. Uh, they want to phase that out with high fuel economy standards, uh, make it so we're all stuck in little eco boxes. Uh, so the, the question is, can we someone stand up in power and start challenging this? I'm losing faith in the in the ballot box because I'm not even sure 2022 is going to be a big. Typically, you'd see a big Republican pushback, but not even sure they're going to be capable of everyone's mailing in ballots, which even a commission by Jimmy Carter and uh, uh, James Baker in, the, in like about 12 years ago determined was fraught with uh, voter fraud and it should never be done. So a lot of Republicans aren't going to be motivated to vote in 2022. So. I don't know that we're going to have any cavalry saving us like we did at the Tea Party in 2010 with Obama's first term. Now, John, you're, you, have a, you have a child in the government-run schools that's, that's getting immersed in this stuff. Yeah, and, it, and it's really kind of frustrating because about 10 years ago, I read the, that book you referenced, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Global Warming. And that was kind of my epiphany to the control freaks we're dealing with under the guise of the environment. So my question is, I'm frustrated with my son, love him to death, but him and his friends are just marinated in all this eco indoctrination. So the question is, how do you break through to these kids to make it relevant to them that all these wonderful socialist things our te their teachers spout are really going to threaten their future? I mean, do you, how do you break through to them? It's a great question. Well, first, just one point. The first book was a politically incorrect guide to global warming by Chris Horner, which came out in 2007. I did the up. I did a whole new book in 2019, the politically incorrect guide to climate change, uh, which is a chapter on the Green New Deal. So there's two different books. I also have a book coming out, Green Fraud. All of what I just mentioned has de devoted chapters to child indoctrination propaganda, and it is the most insidious part of the whole climate debate. Our film, Climate Hustle 2, has a whole section. I urge you to watch that. You can get it at climatehustle2.com on what they've done to children. The way to show them is to show them the absurdity of what they've been taught and teach them you don't even have to be that specific, but just teach them to question. One thing that the 60s hippies, radicals taught us, you can think they were all kinds of wacky, drugged out, you know, free love, whatever, but they taught us one thing, question authority. If you do mm -hmm. nothing else with your kids today, the hippies of the 60s had that right. Question authority. Show them that every UN treaty has been meaningless to the climate, not the meaningless climate, but meaningless to emissions. Show them that even using UN data, that anything they've claimed that, that uh, would solve the climate would have no impact on it. Show them what John Kerry says, that even if the U.S. zeroed out emissions, show them that there is no change in the weather. That, that, that hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, droughts are actually declining on climate timescales. Show them the geologic record. You could do all that, but you got to get them to understand that what they've been told is a lie. Tell them they've been conned. And if you can get them to that point, it'll be eye-opening. More important than that is even educating them, you know, try to get them ahead of time. That's why I urge my book for parents to read it so that they can try get their kids and be active, find out what they're being taught in school and go speak. I've spoken 
at, you know, at my kids' schools, it's not easy to do, but, and I've argued, you know, fought with teachers on it and I've sent them, you know, co- free copies of my movie. I don't let, I try not to let the teachers get away with it, but more important, let your kids maybe let them watch the movies and try to, uh, you know, detox them. It's not an easy thing to do once they have it. It's uh, the bigger issue is actually kids who believe and the socialism, and that goes hand in hand, of course, with climate. But so many kids out there have just been indoctrinated that capitalism's evil now, and and the socialism is the only way to go because of equity, as Joe Biden likes to say. We're almost out of time here. Uh, as, as a comment I read on the on the internet, uh, I'll believe it's a crisis when the people who say it's a crisis yes. act like it's a crisis. <laughs> yes. And you have John Kerry, who lives on luxury yachts and in high class European uh, hotels as he travels around the world. And I've been to, by the way, I went to the, uh, the um, what's it called? The, uh, the EU Parliament a couple of years ago. I got to stay in one of those luxury European hotels that John Kerry frequents. They are nice. You know, being a diplomat is a nice life. They are, you know, you got the luxury two suites, you got the luxury lobby. These are incredible. The cobblestone street. This is John Kerry's world, along with multiple. He was asked one time how many property homes he had. He didn't know. He married into money. He wasn't even sure how many houses his wife had, you know, years after they'd been married. So this is the guy telling us that COVID and climate are one and the same and that the lockdowns are great and that we need to do this for climate. This is this is what we're dealing with. And you're absolutely right. If they're not willing to live that way themselves, it shows they don't actually worry about it. There's a great photo of John, one of John Kerry's houses right on the ocean. I believe it's in Martha's Vineyard. He's clearly not worried about sea level rise. No. We are out of time, Mark. Thank you so much for being on our show and everything you're doing for the cause of freedom through uh, ClimateDepot.com. I'm, I'm sure we're going to have you back as this issue is not going away. Tune in next week for another exciting edition. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number 1012658. Arizona NMLS license number 0926439. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 31998. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity. AM 590. The answer.